Hello and welcome to the PFRS Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Dahl, and yes, it has been a while. Today I'm recording at home again, finally after a week in Mexico. My guest today is native to Cabo San Lucas. His name is Alejandro Partida. He goes by Alex. He's an amazing chef. He's an athlete, a master's volleyball player, ranked ninth in the world. He's a ranked bodyboarder and a hell of a person and has a hell of a story. So uh, sit back. It's quite a ride for this one, guys. So uh, don't get triggered. Don't get offended. And if you do, we don't care. Just listen and have a good time. Thanks. San Lucas, um, in a room that you sold my family, what, 15 years ago? About 20 years ago, actually. 22, uh, 19 years ago. Jeez, that's it's incredible. When this room was sold out to them, yeah. Yeah, You're part of the family, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. It's been a wonderful ride, and, and I keep you guys wonderful memories for your family, and, and for Papa Dahl, he was, uh, he was, your grandfather was a spectacular person, and, and here we are, yeah, after here we 20 are. years. Still kicking. Still kicking, yeah, <laughs> totally. So, uh, how you been? Tell me what you what you've been up to. I haven't seen I haven't seen or talked to you really in ten almost ten maybe it's eight years. Eight years. We were down here. Eight years with ago. Kids, yeah. So Well wow, in eight years. Wow, what a ride. It has been an interesting ride in the past eight years. Yeah. A lot of changes, a lot of metamorphosis that has been happening and and the world and and in my personal life has been it's been a total roller coaster since uh since I lost of my old life and trying to rebuild a new one, mm-hmm. it's been it's been it's been fun. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's good. Um, Learning experience. So, what was the? If if I ask a question you don't want to answer, just let me know. Um, so, what was the? The first time we met was actually like 10, 11 years ago when we went surfing on the other end of the, the beach. Yeah, about uh, eleven years ago. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, at that point in time, between, you're a different person now than you were then, right? Oh, God, I hope so. I mean. <laughs> so, what was, what, was, what was the element that changed your life from then until, like, you peaked in your life and you were doing, you were selling, you were cruising, you were a chef, and you were doing everything wild and crazy, and then what happened to take a shift in your life? Well, you know, I mean, uh, success-wise, as you know, success is measured in different different ways. I mean, for some people, success is staying alive another day. Yeah. Uh, um, but for me, what happened? I mean, when I first met you, I wasn't an incredible roller coaster. I mean, we were ringing so much money. I mean, mm-hmm. by the price, uh, grateful for that. And uh, and I thought I had everything figured out. However, uh, uh, nothing is set in a stone. Mm-hmm. And uh, I made some I made some choices that maybe I shouldn't have taken at the okay. time. Yeah. That 
as much as I was running up the hill, it was kind of like Icarus, and I came too close to the sun, and mm -hmm. I had a horrible fall uh, to the point that I lost everything in 2015, and, and I had to start again from scratch in 2015. Yeah. Um, but doing what I love and what I learned what to do since I was a young man, it kept me afloat, you know, and I never took the... It could have been very easy to go back into the cocaine and to the mm -hmm. party and the rock star and whatever, but but I wasn't 20 anymore, first of all, or even 30 at the time. And um, it's been interesting. I mean, it's been a growing, it's been a very humbling ride from the past 12 years to now. Yeah. Basically. Okay. Um, what things that happen and the positive note. Um, I focused all my life in sports since I was a very young age. Um, mm -hmm. It was um, I came out from a very um, poor uprising, not poor about the basic morals that we're lacking in society today, but poor um, and economic means. I mean, I, there was no food missing on the table, but I didn't have the nice little toy that came out on TV or what have yeah. you not. So. Um, a very young age, a gentleman by the name Sinjin Smith um, started coming down here to Cabo back in 1985. And, and I heard that he was a short guy for what he was doing, which was beach volleyball. And since I was short, I figured, well, shit, I could probably focus into doing that. And I'm sorry, you could let it my cousin later. No, it's, it's, okay. it's fine. And um, uh, so it got stuck in my head that Sinjin Smith was short and beach volleyball didn't require a whole team. I, wa I wasn't, I had an incredible distrust to people based on the fact that as a child I was sexually abused by priests and by a whole bunch of different people in my life. So I had an incredible distrust to organize sports and all mm -hmm. of that. So beach volleyball was a, a way for me to stay sane basically because it did, it gave my life a direction, basically. Uh, my life evolved about my life evolved beach volleyball for a better part of most of my life up until I, up until 2016, which it was the last uh, major tournament that I played. Mm -hmm. It was the World Masters of Beach Volleyball in Vancouver, Canada. Okay. And um, I ranked number nine in the world. Wow. For for my age at that time, I was in 2016, so I was like 42, 43 years old back then. Yeah. Wow. Something like that. So, yeah, basically, I stay in a sports. I mean, I party hard. I did a lot of drugs, as you know. I mean, I worked for Cabo Wabo, and I was Sammy Hager's chef, and I work along a wonderful, wonderful guy, a good friend of mine, uh, Dustin Meeker, another great chef as well. And, uh, and it's just been, I don't know, it's been, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be alive. I'm, it's unbelievable that I'm alive, yeah. basically, bro. That's, that's incredible, man. Yeah, I mean, it's been a nice ride. Yeah. Um, so how did you, in dealing with your fall, right, flew too, like Icarus, flew too close to the sun, and you fell, um, what was hanging on to sports and hanging on to um, your, your craft, cooking, and having that as your soul, um, how did you deal with climbing, climbing out of that hole that you fell into? Um, wh what was, what was the main thing every day when you woke up that you focused on 
to that was like, this is this is my light that I'm going to follow in order to get through this dark time. Oh, my kids, man, absolutely, my, uh, my kids. I mean, you, you have to remember that the hole that I did land on it was a hole digging in my own doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I. I um, I never saw it. I, I never thought that uh, the person that I trusted with all of my life and everything will just basically one day switch around and, and take everything, including my kids. Yeah. Um, it was really hard because I don't know if I ever told you this. I, I ran away from my house when I was 11 years old of age. I've never, uh, I've been on my own since I was 11 years old mm-hmm. of age. <clears throat> so, um, sorry. So, to go back to my dad's house, man, fudge, I, I left at 11, and now I'm like 40-something, 30 years later, and I'm knocking at my dad's house and, and, and for a place to stay because, um, I don't know if I told you this, I mean, uh, uh, how everything started going downhill, uh, I, I came back at the time I was helping a good friend of mine, Roddy Lynch at Diamante Cabo San Lucas and, and um, Terry Harker, and... Um, and I came home from work, and there was a garage sale at my house. And uh, the mother of my children was selling everything because we had planned to move to Canada, and she was making it easier for us to move. Um, this was right after she had come back. And, and thanks, thankfully for my kids, she had bitten cancer. Mm-hmm. So when she came back in that October of 20, uh, it was actually like in June of 2015, and, and we were all happy. Her friends were happy, and, and, and I thought I had my wife back and you know my kids I mean all my life was my goal was to raise a family since I was a little kid that's the one thing bro that I always that always drove me and a big motor in my life I always wanted to be a father mm-hmm. <clears throat> so when you ask me what was what keep me to to dig me out of the hole that I dig myself into uh, it was my kids and uh on God, man, I, I don't, I, God, um, JC and I are very tight. Like, yeah. like whatever your higher power might be, my higher power is incredible to me. And uh, <clears throat> I did, um, I did was in a horrible place. I mean, I, I, my father had to take away my cold 9-11, 1911 cold uh, because I, I I thought about ending my life a couple times mm-hmm. back when, when I just lost everything. And um, it was... Uh, Hi, Lainey. It was, uh, it was a humbling experience because I was on the top of the world at the time. Uh, yeah, I, I, was at the top. I had to figure it out. I mean, yes, we were going to move to Canada. And yes, I had a plan to make money there and to grow a family. And then... We go, I was there in October 2015, and I'm coming back to Cabo because I was at the time coming, working two months and, and going back there for two or three weeks at a time. To Canada? Yeah, to Canada. Uh, yeah, I was on my way to the plane after having an incredible night. And the next morning, I'm going on the plane, and she tells me that I shouldn't... You're okay. That I shouldn't go back to Canada anymore, that we were done, and she was dumping me. Just, that was it. Of, just out of the blue. Yeah, bro. I mean, I mean, I should have the, the garage sale here in Cabo. So that was in June. We go up there July. In August, I have to come back and work. And 
And yeah, you just don't come just, back. Just done. Yeah, we're done. I'm pretty sure I did whatever. I'm pretty sure that I helped her to cause a decision that she made, but I also know that it was something to do with her cancer and chemotherapy mm -hmm. and whatever. And you know, she's a good mother. Yeah. And I'm grateful that she is a good mother. So, um, 2015, I lost my job. Oh, oh, you're going to love this one. Oh. <laughs> I, I'm not going to hold back, man. And I no, hope no, you put it in the air. No, it's good. I, it's good. I, I am going to, I am going to throw so many people under the bus. That's, is what it is. I don't care. Do so, it. 2015, I'm work, I still have my job. 20, 2015, 16, 17, I have my job at Diamante. Life is good. Uh, Mr. Uh, Terry Harker, also a wonderful support for me. Uh, when, when those struggling times, he was my, he's actually my a, double, uh, AA sponsor. Mm -hmm. and he, I still talk to him, uh, even though I sneak a tequila here and there now. But um, he was at the time a, a very solid foundation for me, and I was working there, and I was making incredible money, brother. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was bringing in fifteen, twenty thousand dollar a month paychecks. Uh, in twenty sixteen, the marketing company hired a gentleman from Canada by the name of Mark Toronto, okay. and, and Mark, Mark Toronto, from Canada, <laughs> um, buys a house here in Cabo. And those the party, you know, he's going to invite everybody to the party. He has a house up at the Pedregal. Um, I'm coming out of the, his bedroom. His house is a two-story house. You come into the middle of the house and you go up steps. You're in the living room area. Downstairs is a, a bedroom and the bedrooms. And I'm coming out of the bedroom. And I didn't know the time that he was going to be taking over the company. Mm -hmm. But... Never the mind. I never would have fucked him, bro. Anyway, I'm coming out of the bathroom at his house, and the guy stops me at the door and tells me that maybe I should go back in the bathroom because we're going to have a really good time. And, uh, and that's, he's touching my arm. And I tell this guy, dude, I don't do drugs, and I don't drink, and I like tits. Pardon yeah. for, the, for anybody that might be. I, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And I got really frustrated. Another wonderful friend of mine that I'm going to leave his name out. Well, his name is Robert. I will leave his last name out. Uh, saw what was happening. Mm -hmm. And he asked me to, if he could give me a ride. So he got me out of this horrible situation where this guy was sexually harassing me. Um, that guy, Robert, got fired two days later. Wow. So I'm working at Diamante. And they do two teams. They do the golfing team and the non-golfing team, which I started working for. And I, I never had to see this guy again. Yeah. Until 2018, two years later, they make him the sales director. And the first thing that he tells me is, uh, so are we going to go have a cup of coffee now? And that sexual harassment went on until the day he fired me in February of 2018. Oh, my God. And it was horrible. It, I've never... That gives me a different perspective about how to be with woman. Because if you remember, I mean, I was a player. I'm not afraid to, to deny it. I will not deny my past, not show the door on it. And it made me realize that that's not the way. Harassing is not the way, you know, like, like, because it was, it was, it was, I mean, when he fired me, oh my God. 
pulls me into his office, asks me to go for coffee. I said no again. And then the guy goes, well, well, you know, Alex, I think that uh, we've been seeing too much of each other lately, and we're going to have to take a break. And I tell what? him, <laughs> what the hell? Dude, I, ex I, 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 I was floored. I used to look at the guy, and I told him, we're not dating. You're not my girlfriend. I'm not bagging you. If you want to get rid of me, just fire me. And the guy goes, uh, oh, it's not that... Uh, there's no firing, you know, like hockey. You like hockey, um, and you're a really good hockey player, but you don't, you don't, you don't fit in the idea of the team and bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. So I got fired from Diamante because I wouldn't bang a guy, straight up, in 2018. Yeah. And uh, so 19, 20, 21, and here we are in 22. It has been a lot of struggle. Sales professionally wise, because a lot of people are very jealous of talent mm -hmm. when they don't have it, especially. And I'm, uh, this guy named Alberto Sicairos was the reason why I left what I was working in Loreto. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Michael Bohalter, uh, Martin Reese from Via de Palmar Group took me under their wing when I left Diamante. And I was up in Loreto until they changed sales director, dude. And this guy yeah. started harassing me again. But now he was harassing me. Not sexually, but he was trying to pull his weight on me until I got tired and I left. Uh, and that was professionally wise. Mm -hmm. I left Loreto a year ago. Um, Sales-wise. Yeah. I've been, since then, I've been trying to get my, my little um, surf camp going here in Mexico. Uh, yoga, gourmet food, surfing, hola cerritos. Mm-hmm. Professionally, the thing that keeps me going, brother, is the fact that I never, I, I never lose faith yeah. in God. And I have a little prayer that I say I, always that, that I am grateful for everything that he gives me and I'm grateful for everything that he takes away from me because it was not necessary in my life, whatever that might be. Yeah. So... Uh, that was happening professionally. This guy harassing me and yada, 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 yada. I, I was still cooking. Uh, I never stopped cooking. I mean, I don't have a, a web page or anything like that. I just cook word them out. Mm -hmm. uh, you know that. I interview the people. If I don't like the people, I don't cook for them, period. Yeah, yeah. And um, 2015, I got dumped. I lost everything, everything. I came back to Cabo with two pairs of jeans two t-shirts, a hat, and a volleyball. That's incredible. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, my God. <clears throat> yeah. And I'm staying at my dad's house. <clears throat> um, I, di I didn't see anybody for two years. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I met a wonderful girl. Um, I, well, and that's who I'm seeing at the moment. She's, uh, she, she's pretty cool. Yeah, but I be I be taking a lot of times since I'm with her. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've never I never been with a Mexican woman, and it's a, it's a ride. Like it's a ride. Uh, we met in we actually met in Adiamante. We, mm -hmm. we were working there, and um, she she helped me a lot as well because I was in a really really dark place, emotionally and mentally. 
uh, I was, I was, I, I lost my job. I lost everything. I lost my woman. I lost my kids. I lost my house. I lost whatever it is that I built over the past 17 years yeah. up to this point. So I didn't want anything to do with anything for two years. I was used surfing and cooking pretty much surfing and cooking. And then I met, um, I met Veronica and Diamante. She left to go work somewhere else, and I look for, I look for, I look her up. We connected incredibly, 13 hours talking the first day, and she pulled me out of the emotional gutter, and um, and let me believe that there was somebody out there that you know that that, that there is that it doesn't matter how you how you lost what you had, there's always something else. Mm -hmm. And if you have an open heart, if you have empathy and you have love, the, the most important thing, you're like, what, what drives me? What drives me is passion, mm -hmm. love. And that's it, man. I mean, everything is about love. You got to love life every moment, whatever. I mean, I, I, back in the times when I was sleeping under the bridges back in LA, eating garbage, I mean, that's the stuff that <laughs> it just happens. Yeah. It just happens. I was heavily into drugs right after some things that I did over there for Uncle Sam. We will not be talking about those things. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, perhaps it's a poem. I wrote a poem when I was 12 years old of age, and perhaps we could end like this if you want. Yeah. And, and this poem, um, it was the first thing I ever wrote when I was in English. Mm-hmm. I, read, I learned how to speak English out of necessity because I noticed that the kids that spoke English had nice clothes and good food. and So I learned how to speak English because I was hungry. And it was pretty cool, actually. Um, um, my, as a young man, I was trying to catch some fish at a dock. And this lady was getting off her boat to go up to her car. And I helped her with her luggage. And I, and I gave her luggage back and I told her, thank you. That was all I knew how to say in English. And I turned around to go away. She held me by the shirt and hand me a dollar. And I don't know what I should say, but in my head, I was like seven years old of age. Oh, thank you. One word is one dollar. Oh, my God. So I made it my business to learn English. So I got about two and a half million words right now. Thank God. Um, and that was basically it. I always wanted to have something else. So when I first learned how to ride, uh, the poem was like this, basically, because I was by myself here in Cabo. My father remarried another woman, and uh, my father used to work for Jacques Cousteau, and whenever he was away, uh, she would chain up the refrigerator so I wouldn't get food. Or she would have her uncle that was the jailer grab me and put me in a cell and tell my dad will get back. So I wrote this little poem, and it was basically um, standing by myself with no people walking by. I start to realize how easy some of us are on the ground. When you're sad and lonely, no one seems to care. So I asked to myself, what am I doing here? I was not born to be a loser. I was born to get the best. And when my time comes and people see me successfully going by, they will say, think and realize that goes the one that fought against the world. Because I, and basically that's it, man. I, that's, that's amazing. That's what drives me. And, and the part about fighting the world, 
in the last few years, I find it that it's a lot easier to mold a little bit to it mm -hmm. as opposed to be head on. And uh, that's pretty much it, yeah, in a nutshell. Wow. That's Alex. Sports, I've done a lot of things. I've been a national and a state surfing champion many times here in Mexico. Uh, I hold a, a world record for beach volleyball, uh, recognized by the Federation of Volleyball. Uh, and always with gratitude, man. That's the word that is keeping me. Passion, love, and gratitude. Yeah. Gra grat grateful for whatever I have and grateful for whatever I don't have. Because God's plan is for me not to have it because it might damage me. So grateful always. Yeah. And yeah. All right. That's incredible. <laughs> wow. Thanks. Um, how did you get into food? How did that? How how did how did food get into your life? Now this is this is mainly a question. So my my co-host on my other show, um, he's the executive chef for Pizzicato in Portland. Oh wow! And cool. so this is this is a question for him um, from him. Um, how did food become such a integral part into who you are, and how did your love for it grow? Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, my late uncle, Leobardo Partida, uh, from the Tequila Partida family, um, that's a little commercial for my peeps. <laughs> Thanks. Don't, don't edit that out. Uh, tequila Partida family. My uncle, Leobardo Partida, um, he had an incredible passion for service, for food, and uh, he served in the military in the USA as long with my uncle... Uh, Alberto Gomez and Rafael Gomez, uh, they were all Marines. They was, they, well, they, one of them is still alive. And he loved cooking. And, uh, and it always blew me away when I was a little boy how, how he could make magic with things that it would use like a vegetable, you know, like yeah. people see an onion and oh, it's just a fucking onion. Yeah. You know, like, um, but, um, and whenever we all used to get together, because I did have some really happy times in my life. Um, perhaps the biggest mistake I had is when my mother remarried back when I was 12 years old of age. I ran away from my house over there and I came searching for my dad. I never saw my father. Uh, I saw my father once when I was six years old of age, never saw him again for six years. And I knew that he was in Cabo San Lucas somewhere, so I hitchhiked from the mainland Mexico to Cabo San Lucas. I'm about 10, 11 years old of age. But that's a different story. Um, my thing for food, I don't know, man. Um, in the happy childhood, the, uh, some happy part of my life as a child, um, obviously another part where I was being taken advantage by, by Catholic priests. Um, when my uncles and my cousins wanted to get together, they would all be like, oh, I'm going to be a fireman. I'm going to be this and I'm going to be that. And you, Alejandro, what are you going to be? And I, well, I'm going to have a taco stand in the corner because all of you guys are going to be hungry and you yeah. need to eat. <laughs> so when I came to Cabo San Lucas, my father was very, very, I mean, my father, I mean, my father banged Linda Carter uh, straight up. And if she's listening to this right now, I love you, Linda. You were my mom for two months here in Cabo San Lucas. Thank you. <laughs> um, but he was to be seeing himself. So I was always hungry. His wife wouldn't feed me. His wife only would have food for her kids. So there was this little restaurant called uh, 
the Trailer Park restaurant, that it was owned by, by wonderful people from New York City. They also had Lenny's, uh, Lenny's Deli here in Cabo a long time ago. Um, I started washing dishes when I was 12 years old of age, and I saw that whenever my father had scuba diving people because he was also scuba diving shop. So whenever I was with my dad in the boat and he has like people in the boat that was gonna go scuba diving with him, chefs always make an impact on me because they always had the coolers full of food and everything. Mm -hmm. And you gotta remember, I'm a scrawny little kid from the nowhere Mexico, hungry. Yeah. So one day I worked up the courage actually and I, and I went to see an old gentleman by the last name Cham. Uh, he's the father of Carlos Cham, a fantastic chef here in Cabo. And they had the first Chinese restaurant in Cabo. And they let me wash dishes so I could have one plate of food a day. Oh my gosh. And, uh, and then I realized that if I pay attention to the chef, I could learn and I could be good. And that's all I did. And I had a wonderful array of mentors uh, in the kitchen. I mean, I had Raymond Martin from the Cheesecake Factory. I got Randy Hoff from uh, Orofino Cafe. I had uh, Dustin Meeker here in Cabo. Oh my God, Patrick Feely. This guy was a riot. Patrick Feely was one of the first guys that took me surfing. The first time ever, he was married to Rocio Sanchez. So my passion for cooking came from necessity. Yeah. Because I know that if I work in the kitchen, I will never be hungry. So your, ne pa your path and your love and your, your drive to learn English is the same, same kind of drive that grew, that drove yes. you to learn how to cook. Necessity is the mother of all yeah. trades. And, and, and you saw the worth in it for your life, and then on top of that, it gave you just a, a heartfelt passion for what you were making for other people. Oh, man, you have no idea. I mean, people... Oh, Eric, I mean... Oh, food, I, food and music, man. Like, those, those are the... Like, you can write a... A person can write a song, and it'll bring another person to yes. tears. Yes. For, no, like... This guy's on the other side of the world, and, and a person, you know, they're, they're in Europe or whatever, a person in America hears a song, and they'll cry just from, just yes. from the melody. And the same things with food. You can make a, a dish that a person has never had, and that, it'll bring that person to tears. Yes, you touch a very... I don't feed, I don't feed the body. Feed for, the soul. I feed the soul, man. For yeah. me, that's the one thing. I want you, and, and, I'm, and, and I had the honor of you trying my food before. I want you to try the bite of food. And I want you to take you back to the one happy place that you ever had that you haven't been in a really long time. I want you to, I want you to experience. Joy. Yeah, more than joy. I mean, I want you to experience abundance. I want you to have, I want you to have. I, 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 there's no words for me to express no, no, it's, the, the, it's, my passion for food. You, we, we in the food industry, a lot of people, yes, you could make a lot of money, and yes, you could roll out the tacos at $1 a piece, and yes, this and that. But it's not about feeding the body. It's about feeding the soul. For me, 
food is a serious business, man. I mean, uh, they call me in the kitchens I, I set up, and they call me the Nazi. Mm -hmm. Because everything has to be perfect. There cannot be any fault. People are putting trust in you to, to feed them. It does, you don't know what the people went through to pay those $30, $40, $50, $100 for the plate of food. Yeah. You don't know their story. So for me, I feed, I want to nourish their soul, man, straight up. That's for yeah. me, that's, uh, it's, I don't see me doing anything else. And, and right now that I'm not in sales, I have more time to do more different dishes and to create other things. And, but the principal, the principal motor is, I want you, if it's possible on your dying bed, to think about my food. That's me in the kitchen. I want you to, the last, if, if you are in a dying cell and they ask you for your last meal, I want you to call for me to cook it for you. And it's not about the money. It's about the care and the connection. The connection with the people and soothing their soul, not only that, nourishing, nourishing their spirit their heart and their mind. I mean, and if you're, if you're out there charging $200 for a plate of food, that plate of food better be immaculate. Absolutely. But not only the way it looks, but the way that smells, the, the texture of it, the wonderful, the, 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 the sense of everything, that you sense that there was love into the into the trade, and a lot of people are losing that. Um, and uh, hello to your friend uh, and and the pizza place. Uh, I, I make incredible pizza, bro. I mean, you never. Had, <laughs> I, I, I do. I mean, that was my thing. I learned Italian food first. Okay. That was the first thing that I learned how to cook, and um, and a wonderful chef, Gaetano Solito from Naples. Uh, he 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 also. I mean, there's so many wonderful people that have helped me because. I don't have a college degree, and, uh, and uh, a lot of people put a lot of value in a college degree, but guess what? The guy that's assigning my surf colony has degrees, and he's working for me. Mm -hmm. And if my kids get sick, the best doctors in the world I could hire to yeah. take care of my kids. And they went to college, and they work for me. So to anybody other that's listening, and if you find something that is your passion, mm -hmm. follow it, man. Because it will never lead you astray. For me, food, um, for me, food is it, man. It's it. Um, I, I, perhaps I could have been better in the executive world if I would have got degrees and this and that. But it's 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 hard to be, it's hard to be in sales, in my my, my opinion, and deal with trying or working within the constraints of a contract. If you are, if you have the passion of a creator, right? So yes. you, you are, you're a creator, Thank not, not in Thank today's you. sense. When you hear creator in, in, you know, 2022, you think YouTube, you think all this social media bullshit, but like a true creator, you take something that is completely raw and plain and you find what's special in that and your passion in that. There's no way that you can tame that passion to work within the confines of a contract or 
a sales agreement or oh anything like God. that. See, the, the, the best part about that is, is like you can, you can make, because of who you are and that, and that passion, you can make somebody walk into this room and make them feel like this is the place that they have to be in order for their heart and their soul to feel at home when they're in Cabo. And this is the only place that they want to be for that one or two weeks out of the year. That's where your passion fits in the sales thing. But, oh, but as, okay. Yes, but, go ahead. You know what I mean? Yes, but yes, but yes. as far as the paperwork and the like dealing with the politics of it, oh, it's, got, it's, got, yes, it's yeah. bullshit. Like, wow. there's no way. No, you want to talk about timeshare. My first experience with timeshare, I was um, right before I, I made the move to come back to look for my father. Uh, one of my uncles had a, a timeshare, man. I, uh, I was born in Cabo, but then I was taken to the mainland Mexico very young age. A very young age, my mom didn't want to be with my dad. And so I'm in the boonies of Mexico, about three hours away from Guadalajara, in a place called Mazamitla, Jalisco, around that area, in a mm -hmm. little town called El Sabino, Michoacan. Um, and we're going to the ocean. I'm seven years old of age, man. And I'm getting goosebumps. Look at this. I'm getting goosebumps <laughs> as I'm saying this. Or I'm seven years old of age, and they're going to take me to the sea. And we got in a car, and we drive to Manzanillo to a place. I will not name the place because whatever. It's fine. It's a long time ago. I come to this beautiful place. And we walk into this house, and it's a house on the beach. <laughs> Bedrooms everywhere, and our own swimming pool. And there is the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen in my life, and she is my true love. My true love of my life is the ocean. Um, sorry, ladies. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm so happy because we, I'm in this place. And I remember my grandmother telling Francisco, Francisco. Esto de quién es? Who, who has this? Who belongs this to? And my uncle goes, it's mine, mama. It's ours. We own it. Two weeks a year. <laughs> Se llama Tiempo Compartido. It's called a timeshare. Yeah. And I don't have to buy the house. I use about two weeks. So we can come here every year for two weeks. And I was seven years old of age, and I'm going, holy crap, you could do that? Wow. So that was my experience, my first experience with the timeshare world. Mm -hmm. Then when I came to Cabo, necessity, like I mentioned to you before, back in those days, Solmar was the second place I opened for timeshare. Uh, they opened for business back in the 90s, 90-something. 90 uh, but Plaza Las Glorias and Cascadas de Baja were the, the game in town. Mm -hmm. And the guys that drove the nice cars had a beautiful woman and nice clothes were the timeshare people. So I'm 10 years old of age. I'm like, well, that's what I got to be a closer. <laughs> yeah. If I have to have the nice, the nice clothes. Uh, and um, your mom and dad could vouch for me. I never misrepresented what I was selling. Yeah. A lot of people in this business, I mean, we have some fuckers that take people for a ride. And if you believe that in a certain beach, the baby whales breach over so you can pet them. <laughs> you deserve to be taken for your money. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, that, that was a, a guy here in Cabo. They had shirts made for him. Uh, <laughs> the, the shirt said, I got dirked in Cabo. I won't say his last name. 
Oh, oh yeah, man. I mean, this guy used to, I mean, because this time share industry has taken a little bad rep from people that work in the car, use car sales industry. Mm -hmm. But, but are you kidding me, man? I mean, I'm, I own timeshare and I love it. And every time I, I, like I said to you back to the beginning, to the, about the food that I don't know what you've done in your life or what point of your life is that got you to me. Mm -hmm. But I want you to, I want that part of your life to be magical. I want it to be a spectacular because I do, I have many job offers since I stopped working in Loreto. Many job offers people that want me, but I don't believe in the product. I don't believe in the people that have running the product. This okay. was amazing. I mean, the Solmar Corporation did wonderful things for me. I worked for these people since I was nine years old of age, man. I was, I was a goofer for Mr. Luis Bulnes and Don Pedro Bulnes at the old Solmar when they used to have the little store. When we had the little bungalows, remember? Yeah. The little story, beautiful. That's why I lost my virginity, bro. Oh, God. And one of those, <laughs> and those bungalows, straight up, number 57 above the little oh, bar. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a shout out to Susan Ellis MacArthur. What's up, girl? Newport Beach, California, baby. She, she broke me like a horse, like a pony. But anyway. Um, Tamshire has been very generous to me because I believe in it. I believe that people... If you're going to take a vacation, why not own a place? Renting is stupid. I mean, people that can afford a mortgage pay mortgage instead of renting house, and it's the same principle, and, and they, this company has done a lot for me. I've sold, I was, I was a million dollars short for $39 million in my timeshare career. Holy cow. And that's about... $14,000 weeks selling $14,000 contracts over the past 20 years. But actually, on and off, if I put them all together, it's probably been about 17 years of timeshare, about $37, $38 million in sales. That's incredible. And I, you don't have to hide from anybody. <laughs> which is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Which is no, really that's, cool. that's amazing, brother. Um, yeah, thank you. No, but thank you. It is. Uh, and then you get to meet wonderful people. I mean, I met your, I met your folks. Uh, it was the year 2000 when I met your folks the first time that they were sold by my ex, uh, by the mother of my kids. Angie sold them a week, mm -hmm. at Solmar, and that's how I came over to cook for them. That's how, yeah. that's how this started. Yeah. And actually, I'm grateful to to the mother of my kids because she's the one that got me into the timeshare industry. And right now, I'm grateful to Veronica, the woman that I'm currently with, because um, she's very. She's everything I'm not. Mm -hmm. So she keeps me in check, <laughs> which is pretty good. Yeah. And um, I wouldn't change anything in my life, brother. I mean, I party with some wonderful... I, I party hard. I mean, when I work at Cabo Wabo, I did it all, and I party with all of them. Mm -hmm. And then I did whatever I had to do, and I went away, and I was up, up doing whatever I had to do. And yeah. But the one thing that you can, I never lost, it was faith, bro. Yeah. Faith and passion. And the fact that accepting that whatever is going through my life is because I caused it or because God has something better for me. Yeah. And here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Yeah. This is a great conversation, man. Thank you so much for coming here. And 
we got to get to cooking dinner. I got to get my parents up here. Thanks so, for having me. No, it's, it's an honor, brother. And no, this is any time. And absolutely, we're going to be down more and more now. Seems life has seemed to kind of smooth out after borders being shut down and everything oh else. Oh my God! And, no kidding. And man. Uh, that's a that's a whole another conversation. Yeah, we, we we'll have the pandemic conversation <laughs> in a different. Yeah, in a different setting, perhaps in a yeah, in a radar R setting. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. All right. Thank you for having me. And uh, to anybody out there, it's, a, it's an honor for for you that are struggling. Um, whatever your struggle might be, I, I tell you kindly. Don't lose faith in the being that is you. You you are a a wonderful being, and and if you need a reminder about your successes, just remember that. There was one million little sperms pumping to your mother, and you won. So use since the moment of conception, you are a winner. Uh, don't lose faith. Don't lose faith. And to all my brothers out there, um, call call anybody. Call if you need if you need help. Call because 22 we lose 22 veterans a day, and that's too many. So thank you for having me, and shout out. Yeah, thanks, Saka. brother. Mahalo, bro. Mahalo.